Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 1. And in just a moment, I'll start reading in verse 26. Luke chapter 1. Christmas is almost here. Almost. Houses are lighting up. Stores are busy. Maybe not as busy as they were before Amazon, but they're still busy. People are making big plans for Christmas. You hear about it all the time. What are your plans for Christmas? What they're really saying is, what are your plans? What are you planning on doing during the holidays? You do know what the name, the word holidays, it's holy days. That's where it comes from. What are your plans? Are you going to stay at home? Do you plan to be at home? Are you going to travel? Do you plan to be with friends or with family? Plans are okay. They're good. But sometimes when we make our plans, we can ruin the real meaning of Christmas. You can be so busy that you miss Christ in Christmas. So many plans that you miss out what God wants. You can have a full calendar, but have an empty heart. Christmas is not primarily about meeting with your family. Christmas is not primarily about meeting with your friends, going to events and parties. Christmas is not all about eating. Now, you won't get too many amens that in a Baptist church, all right. It's not about primarily watching sports. Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about God loving the world so much that He gave us His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christian, understand that in Christ at Christmas, God became man. I've talked to many Mormons about this, and I say, you know, the reason I can't buy into what you teach is you've got it exactly wrong at the crucial area of Christ. You say that as individual human beings, we can become gods. But Christmas says that God became a man. And God became a man, the God-man, to give us eternal life. Let's thank the Lord for Jesus Christ right now. Amen? Amen. Let me talk to you today about when God became man. Look there at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, Gabriel said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was very perplexed at this statement. She kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's all say that together. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's talk about when God became man. If you would like to take some notes, I believe they'll be right there on the screen. First of all, when God became man, there was divine initiative. Divine initiative. God took the initiative when God became a man. Look at verses 26 and 27. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. There is not one word that's wasted in all of those verses. Here we see that God took the initiative in salvation. We would have never have taken that initiative. God had to come after us. We never would have gone after God. God took the initiative. How did he do that? Well, he sent Gabriel. Gabriel is one of the two archangels mentioned by name in the Bible. The other is Michael. Gabriel has appeared in other times. You might have read about him. If you've read the book of Daniel, you saw him in chapter 8 and chapter 9. If you read Luke chapter 1, you saw him talking to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. He's the guardian angel of Israel. He's the one who protects them from demonic angels. God took the initiative by sending Gabriel, the archangel. He also took the initiative. It was a little bit more specific. He sent Gabriel to Nazareth. Nazareth. Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. The Bible says in Matthew 2, 23, in the New Living Translation, so the family, that is Joseph, Mary, and the baby Jesus, went and lived in a town called Nazareth. The, this fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, in Jesus' day, Nazareth had a bad reputation. When Philip got saved, Jesus called him to be a disciple. He went and told Nathanael that Jesus the Messiah had come and he was from Nazareth. And Nathanael was appalled. He couldn't believe it. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verses 45 and following, Philip went to look for Nathanael and he told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. That is the Messiah. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And then look at this. He says, Nazareth? exclaimed Nathaniel, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip replied, come and see for yourself. How many of you know that if Jesus comes from Nazareth, something good can come from Nazareth? Amen. 
Amen. God took the divine initiative by sending Gabriel, but he also took it by sending him to Nazareth. But there's another specific point as well. God took the divine initiative by sending Gabriel to Nazareth to a virgin named Mary. Look at verse 27. Mary was engaged to Joseph, a descendant of David. Mary was still a virgin. And it that fulfilled an Old Testament prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. It says, and therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. What does that mean? God with us. Jesus was born of a virgin. And I hear people say, well, it doesn't really matter if you believe that Jesus was born of a virgin or not. It, yes, it matters. It, it makes all the difference. Because if Jesus was born like you and me, if he was just born of the seed of man, he would have had the sin of Adam in him. The moment any person is conceived in their mother's womb, you have that sinful nature already in you because it comes from the seed of Adam. But Jesus was born not of the seed of Adam, but of the seed of woman. A biological impossibility, but a theological necessity. He had to be born of a virgin to be free from a sinful nature so that he could go to the cross and die for our sins. Oh, praise the Lord that he took the initiative in salvation. He sent Gabriel. He sent him to the town of Nazareth. He sent him to a virgin named Mary. Nothing about Jesus' birth was left to chance. When God became man, there was divine initiative. Secondly, when God became man, not only was there divine initiative, there was divine perspective. Divine perspective. Look with me, if you will, at verses 28 and 29. And coming in, he, Gabriel, said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. What, now, what if you were sl- sweeping your floors in the morning and you were trying to wake up and all of a sudden an angel popped in and said, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Do you think you would have dropped your broom or gotten a little upset? Can you imagine what this was like for her? It says, but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Gabriel, his home was heaven. He dwelt at the feet of Almighty God, and here he is in Nazareth, bringing divine perspective to the Virgin Mary. He resided in the very presence of God. Surely the glow of God was radiating off of him. And he tells her what God is up to. He knew exactly who to go to, Mary. He knew exactly where to go, Nazareth. He knew exactly what God wanted. He wanted this virgin to be the mother of Messiah, Jesus the Christ. The world said Mary was a nobody. The world said she lived in a nothing town. But Gabriel saw Mary through a divine lens. He saw her from a divine perspective. He saw her as God's chosen person to give birth to his son, Jesus Christ. What a privilege. What an honor. What a responsibility. Can you imagine what it was like for Mary when Gabriel showed up? This Jewish peasant girl, young teenager, probably doing housework. And all of a sudden, this glorious angel shows up and calls her 
It says, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. The world didn't see much in Mary, but God did. And I'm talking to some people today. You don't think God can use you. I've talked to people before. I've been a pastor for 40 years, been preaching for 45 years. I've talked to a lot of people. And they say something like this, preacher, God can't use me. I've sinned too much. I've made too many bad choices. God can't use me. I'm not educated. God can't use me. I don't have much money. God can't use me, preacher. I grew up on the wrong side of town. I'm divorced. God can't use me. I struggle with addiction. God can't use me. I dropped out of high school. I'm just a nobody. I'm just here in Memphis. Why would God want me? Does that sound familiar? Well, I've got some great news for you today. You're the kind of person that God can use. You're the God, you're the kind of person that God can. He doesn't see you from your perspective. Praise his name. He sees us from a divine perspective. You may see yourself as a loser. God sees you as a potential champion. You may see yourself as a victim. God sees you as victorious. Friends, start looking at yourself the way God looked at Mary. Just wake up in the morning, go to the mirror, and say to yourself, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, that's the way to start your day right there, amen? Don't wake up and say, oh, Lord, it's morning. Wake up and say, good morning, Lord. This is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, divine perspective. When God became a man, we see it in Jesus, and we see it here in our text. The third thing we see when God became a man, we see divine proclamation. Look at verses 30 through 33. The angel said to her, don't you be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God's favor was on Mary. There's a whole Bible study to be done about the favor of God. When God's favor is upon you, that's His anointing upon you, that means supernatural things happen that would not have happened have you not had the favor of Almighty God. Don't be afraid, Mary. You've found the favor with God. God's favor makes you undefeatable. It's a blessing from God. You're destined to win when the favor of God is upon you. We read in Psalm, the psalmist talked about God's favor all the time. I could have given you 18 or 20 verses about that. I'll just give you two. Psalm 5, verse 12, for it is you, O Lord, who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Let's read that last part together. You surround him with favor as with a shield. You ought to pray that over your family every day. Oh, God. Let your favor be around me like a shield all day long. Let your favor be around my wife and my children and their spouses and our grandchildren. Let your favor be around Bellevue Baptist Church all day long. I'm telling you, if the favor of God is around you, God has blessed you more than you could have with any amount of money or anything else. Oh, thank God for his favor. Psalm 90 verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm 
That means give permanence to the work of our hands. Yes, confirm, give permanence to the work of our hands. If the favor of God is upon you, what you're doing is going to last even after you die. Let the favor of God be upon this church. Amen? And all of us here today, Gabriel then proclaimed that Mary would miraculously give birth to the Messiah. Look at verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb. You're going to bear a son. You shall name him Jesus. He was saying this to a virgin. She and her fiance Joseph had never been physically intimate. She was a virgin, yet she would conceive a son. And she didn't even get to name him. Gabriel said, his name will be Jesus. You know what that means? Jehovah is salvation. Jehovah saves. Verse 32, he will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He'll be the Messiah. He'll be the long-awaited Christ, the anointed one. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. He is the eternal king. Can you imagine hearing that? Israel had wanted another king for so long. They wanted to be out from under Roman rule. They wanted their own king. And here God is saying, you're going to have a king. His name is Jesus Every Christian needs the benefits of God's divine proclamation. I can remember when I got saved in college, I immediately saw the need for somebody to teach me from this book. And so I started sitting under Bible preachers. If I went to a church and I didn't hear pretty quickly, open your Bibles and turn to, I didn't go back. I went to churches, and I was looking for the Word of God because I wanted the God of the Word. And as they preached verse by verse, I said, okay, I can, I can camp out here. This is a good place. Oh, we need the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. You need to sit under the Word of God. Some people think, well, I know the Bible. I've read the Bible. You know what? Reading the Bible one time does not make you an expert on the Bible. In fact, I've read the Bible multiple times, and I don't consider myself an expert on the Bible. I believe that we need to continue to read it, but we need to have it taught to us as well and be under the teaching of the Word of God. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How many of you know that you need a stimulation? You need to, to be encouraged to have love and to have good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but rather encouraging one another, putting courage back into one another. How? Meeting together. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day drawing near, Jesus is coming back. With everything that's going on in Israel right now, I'm telling you, Jesus could come back at any moment in the rapture. Do you understand that as we approach the end of time, the darkness is going to get darker and the light is going to get brighter and the Bible says there's going to be this great division between the people of God and the people of the world. I can tell you what part I'm going to be in. I'm going to be with the people of God and I'm going to fellowship with the people of God. 
Oh, it's okay to watch it on television if you're sick, but if you're well, get out of the bed. Amen. Get out of the bed and come to church. Be with the people of God. God's Word will be divine proclamation to you, and you'll get the Word of God. I'm telling you, there's something about being with the family of God, hearing the Word of God, and being part of that whole worship service. When God became man, there was divine proclamation. Or proclamation. Fourthly, when God became man, there was divine explanation. Look at verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I am a virgin. I don't think she just said it. Well, how can this be? I think she said, how can this be? I'm virgin. How can I have a baby? Mary couldn't understand. How could she give birth to any child? How could she be pregnant? She was a virgin. It's a biological impossibility. But God would make it happen. Mary would conceive from the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Say, come upon you. Say it out loud. Come upon you. Greek word, epirkamai. Where else do I see that word? Acts chapter 1. When Jesus said, the Spirit will come upon you. He'll make you a new person. He will impregnate you with the life of Almighty God. Same word right here, epirkamai. God will birth within you, Mary, the Son of the living God. You'll still be a virgin, but you will have a child, and His name will be called Emmanuel, the Most High. Oh, you're going to conceive from the Holy Spirit, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The, Holy, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. You will conceive by the Holy Spirit. And Gabriel told Mary that her relative, Elizabeth, who was aging, was also pregnant. Verse 36, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and he she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Elizabeth never thought she'd have a baby, and she was two-thirds of the way from having a baby, John the Baptist. And Mary's pregnancy was much more miraculous. Mary was still a virgin. Today, people scoff at the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But the Bible-believing Christians have zero problem with Christ's virgin birth, because we believe, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Say it again with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. Give Him praise today and thank God. Thank Him today. The Lord gave divine explanation. Nothing's impossible with God. I created everything in the universe from nothing. I led Abraham out of paganism, and he 
was the first part of the Jewish nation. I chose Moses to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage. They said it couldn't be done, but nothing is impossible with God. I chose Joshua to lead the people in the promised land and to conquer that. They said it couldn't be possible, but nothing is impossible with God. I chose a little boy named David, a little shepherd boy, to go against Goliath and to be the famous king of all Israel. Everybody said it can't happen. He's just a little shepherd boy, but nothing is impossible with God. I told the prophets to preach to my sinful, stubborn people and to give them the word of God. And people said, well, that won't amount to anything. Oh, it did amount to something. Nothing is impossible with God. When I send Jesus, God said, I'm going to send him of a virgin. Don't you tell me I can't do that. Don't you tell me I can't do anything, God's saying. Nothing is impossible with God. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm telling you, if you will bring your problem to God, God is a problem solver. And you hear my my promise to you today out of the Word of God, nothing, nothing, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. Give him praise in this house today. Amen. When God became a man, there was divine initiative. There was divine perspective. There was divine proclamation. There was divine explanation. But finally, when God became man, there was devoted submission. Devoted submission. Look at verse 38. And Mary said... Now, just stop right there. I believe all of heaven had their ears perked in like this. They wanted to hear what Mary was going to say. They wanted to hear how Mary was going to respond. She was the chosen of God. God had pointed her out. God had sent Gabriel to her. God had sent his archangel to her with the message. He had explained everything just like God said. And now, the moment of truth. Will she say yes to God or will she say no? Did you know that you can say yes to God or you can say no to God? Did you know that? God wasn't forcing her. He was laying it out before her and she had to choose Aren't you grateful that she said yes? Look at this beautiful answer. Behold, the bondservant, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Can we all read that together? That's where we want to be in life, is it not? Let's just give God our yes, all right? Whatever he asks for. Before he asks, just say, whatever you ask, yes. Yes. Even if I don't like it, yes. Let's read it out loud. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And I believe when she said that, I believe all of heaven erupted in glorious praise and thanksgiving and celebration. The Bible says the angel departed from her. She could have said no, but praise God. She said, I'll do whatever my master wants me to do. Devoted submission. That's all God wants from you. 
That's all God wants from me. God doesn't need us, but he wants us. And God doesn't need a speaker. He doesn't need a singer. He doesn't need somebody with a lot of money. He doesn't need any of us, but praise his holy name. He wants us. And he wants us to be humble like Mary and just say, behold, I'm just a bond slave. I'm just a, a slave. I'm, I'm a nobody. Oh, I'm just the bond servant of the Lord. Behold, I'm nothing without you. But Lord, if you want me to do something, whatever you want me to do, wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give. Whatever you have planned for me, I am all in devoted submission. That's the way you have to follow the Lord. Jesus said to his disciples the night before he died in John 14, 15, if you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. If you love Jesus, do what he says in this book. If you love Jesus, do what he says when he whispers in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 9, 23, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. You can't do your own thing and follow Jesus. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow him. Every day you wake up and you die. Every day you wake up and say, Lord, just nail me to the cross today. Whatever you want, I'm all in. I'm all in. Whatever happens, I'm all in. I want to do the will of God. Oh, Lord, I want to live in devoted submission. Why is Christmas so special? Even in a pagan nation like the United States of America, and we are a pagan nation. Oh, that God would send us revival. Everyone knows deep in their soul that there is a God. Everyone, even the worst pagan out there knows that we've all broken God's laws, we've all sinned, we've all transgressed. Everyone knows that there's a day approaching when we're going to have to get answer for every word we've ever said, every deed we've ever done, deep down in our soul. We know there's a God. We know there's coming a day when we'll stand before Him and give an account. Everybody knows that they need a Savior. Why do you think that the most popular movies are superhero movies? Why do you think that's so popular? Because everybody knows we need somebody to help us out that's stronger than us. Well, God gave that person to us in the person of Jesus Christ. When God became man, it was because of divine initiative, came with divine perspective, it came with a divine proclamation. When we didn't understand it, like Mary, how can these things be? It came with divine explanation. And God is expecting one thing and one thing only, devoted submission. 
wherever you lead, I will go. Just fall at the feet of Jesus and say, whatever you want, I'm in. Let's do it, Lord. Oh, thank the Lord that God loved the world so much, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's thank God that God became man. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.